Welcome to the Milwaukee Basketball Hour, presented by Merriman Social and Third Coast Provisions and featuring Steve Novak. Tonight's special guest is NBA superstar and Bucks legend Marcus Johnson. Underneath is Marcus Johnson, guarded by two players, and look at that determination by Marcus Johnson. Tremendous. I'm William Shatner. After an accident, don't settle for less. QP and Abraham believes you deserve more. I'm attorney Jason Abraham. With over 60,000 satisfied clients, we collect millions of dollars each month. Find out how you can receive all of the money that you deserve. Don't wait. The choice is simple. Call Hupi and Abraham. 800-800-5678. Tell the insurance company you mean business. Call Hupi and Abraham. 800-800-5678. Now... Live from Merriman Social in Walker's Point, here's Steve Sparky Pfeiffer and Steve Novak. Welcome in. It is Steve Sparky Pfeiffer and Steve Novak, uh, like you just heard. Marcus Johnson uh, will be here at 6.30. 6.30, Marcus Johnson will be in the house uh, from 6.30 to 7. So plenty of time for you to get down here. Come on down, have a beverage, uh, have some of their great burgers and great food uh, in general. Take it in. I would have to imagine that in the summertime, Steve Novak, this place has got to be unbelievable. They opened up those three gigantic gigantic garage doors. Like Summerfest time, man, you just park over here, come have a couple beverages, walk down to Summerfest, get a nightcap on the way back to your car. Now, I'm not saying drinking and driving's good. Maybe get an Uber or a Lyft or something. But this has to be a sweet, sweet place when these garage doors are open. I'll be here. I mean, like you said, look at the garage doors. I used to live around the corner. Now I live in the suburbs. Right. Every time I see a place like this, I get depressed. Just thinking about how awesome it is to live downtown, bars, like you now, said, Summerfest. I'm not a downtown guy, man. Come I'm on. Do you know why I'm not a downtown guy? I'd love to know. I like parking lots. That's how, why. How far away did you park today? Parking lots. I didn't. I got dropped off. See, yeah, you got to figure it out, though. You're, you're worldly. You got to figure You Uber. You, you got your no, lift. My, my boss drove me here and dropped me off. Oh, jeez. I don't even do see, that. I don't have. Uh, see, I'm not connected I, like that. I don't I even see. have that, man. No. You don't, you don't have a laptop you for probably the show got tonight, a car, You probably got a car service. I drove. I parked four blocks away. Unbelievable. You don't have VIP parking here? I'm just saying. I'll get it fixed for next I'm week. a retired player. Retired. No, man, you're a TV star now. <laughs> I mean, it's not even about the playing days anymore. Uh, okay, so before the show, Steve Novak and I were talking. And he's like, so Spark, is, is it going to be like, you know, small steps, one step at a time going forward? Is that what we're going to talk about tonight? I said, no. Nope, that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. What we're going to talk about tonight is me being done. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, listen. I'm a, I'm a Come gonna, on, Sparky. I'm gonna Come on. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. And Leroy Butler today on the Big Show pointed out to me, Big Show in Milwaukee, for those of you that don't know our afternoon show, we're on statewide, so i got to clarify. But I'm going to explain where I'm at. I made a mistake, I think, because at the beginning of the year, you probably don't do this, but in the media and radio, we make our predictions, right? Packers season, Brewers season, Bucks, Badgers, Marquette, whatever. You make your predictions of how good you think the team is going to be, and you make those predictions based on, you hope, the knowledge that you have, Covering a team, knowing the talent, coaching staff, whatever. So the Packer Hall of Famers said 541 wins. I said 52. Now look, they're three over 500, and Leroy Butler is happy because they're above where he said. They're not close to what I said they were going to be, and that's why I'm mad. And what I'm mad about, I guess, a little bit is, dude, giving up. We're scoring like 115. 116, 117 points, giving up 120, 125. And when I say I'm done with this, there, there are certain seasons 
where being a Bucks fan, I was done at the end of January before we even got to the trade deadline because the season was over. You knew you weren't going to playoffs. You knew it was done. So I lasted quite a while. Last year, I was never done, uh, never at any point because there was momentum. The team was getting better. Milton had them going in the right direction. I was feeling good about things. Right now, I'm not there. I, I can't. I'm trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel. You tell me how this defense is going to be better by the time they get to face Toronto or Boston uh, in the first round of the playoffs because that's where I'm stuck. I don't see how it gets better. We've had the same coaching staff. Well, I mean, they got rid of some guys, but for the most part, Sweeney's been running this defense for quite a while. So he's been here the entire time. A majority of this team has been with Sweeney the entire time. We still don't get defensive assignments right. We're still blowing assignments. Effort is in spurts throughout a Milwaukee Bucks game. Last night, for instance, poor Marcus Johnson. I love him, man. I, I love Marcus Johnson. He's my guy. But he got suckered two or three times in that game last night. He's like, okay, here we come. We got it now. End the second quarter, going halftime. I was right with him. I was like, yep, here we come. Second half, we got this. Third quarter starts. You're like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, here we go again. And again, it came back again. Not this time, Steve Novak. Not this time. I wasn't going down that road again. I wasn't getting suckered in thinking they were going to finish. And they didn't. But they made a run to get it back again. I am just, I've had it, man. I'm so beyond frustrated with this team because I thought this team had a ton of talent. I thought Jabari Parker healthy, Chris Middleton healthy, Eric Bledsoe, even though when they traded for Bledsoe, I said, just bring him off the bench, let Brogdon start, let him be a scorer off the bench. They didn't do that, fine. But Bledsoe can get you 20 a night. Parker can. Yaz can get you 30. Uh, and that's not even a stretch some nights. Uh, and then who am I missing? Oh, Middleton. And then Middleton can get you 20 a night. And that's all legitimate. There are many teams in the NBA that have four guys that can get you 20 or more on a given night. The Bucks have not seen this much talent. And you can go back to Glenn, Ray, Sam, and Tim Thomas. I think this team has more talent from an offensive standpoint than that team did back then that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. You make a lot of very interesting points, Sparky. That means he doesn't agree when he says interesting. Very interesting points. That's all that means. So, yes, before the All-Star break, we saw a Milwaukee Bucks team that was the best defense over a, an 11- or 12-game stretch. That doesn't count. That In the league. Doesn't so, count. So they've been... It doesn't count why. The schedule was You're soft, right. right? When it proved out after the All-Star break, after the All-Star break, they got a tougher schedule than what happened. It proved itself out. I mean, everybody was poo-pooing me when I said when Jason Kidd got fired, their first game was against Phoenix that night, right? We went on the air, and I said, this is perfect for Joe Prunty. Because if you look at the schedule the rest of the way out, it kind of sets up. If he wants to transition, if he wants to make changes or whatever, they can kind of figure this out on the fly against teams that aren't very good. They're not going anywhere. You have more talent pretty much every night you walk out on the floor, except I think there was like two games. Maybe that wasn't the case. But through that stretch, and they did what they were supposed to do, beat bad teams. That's not as easy as it looks. God knows every team in this league loses to bad teams from time to time. Cleveland will lose to a bad team. Golden State will lose to a bad team. So I'm not taking anything away from that, but it was still what it is from a defensive standpoint, a guy misses an open three. Well, it was still an open three, but he missed it. Well, now when you look at the numbers, well, three-point shooting is down against the Bucks over the last eight to ten games. Well, yeah, guys are missing shots on bad teams. Now when you play good teams, now some guys are missing shots, and now all of a sudden we're looking at the defense again. Can I give you, can I give you my theory? Uh, absolutely. I was, a little bit earlier I began to talk. You interrupted. But I was going to say. I'll do that a lot. Before All-Star break, the for a, a decent stretch, 11-12 games, although you think the schedule was soft, the best defensive team in the league. Mm -hmm. That's saying something. After All-Star break, let's talk about the last six games that they've played, averaging 120 points. So yep. when their defense was good, their offense was, was waning. It was poor, and they were saying, ah, they, they can play deep, but they can't score. Now 
They're scoring 120. Unfortunately, to your point, yes, they're also giving up 120 points. So Brad Stevens said earlier in the year, his team, the Boston Celtics, defensively were elite, were one of the, were the best team defensively. And they started to really talk about becoming a better offensive team. And they started to figure things out. Things started to click. Their offense started to go. And their defense kind of gave way a little bit. And they said, Brad, like, don't you feel like you guys had the defense where you wanted it and now it's disappeared? He said, no, we were able to prove and show that we're capable of being an elite defensive team. Yes, we need, there was areas we needed to improve. So we focused more on that. And the defense gave. Here's my theory. Before All-Star break, the Bucks, the best team defensively in the league for that stretch. The last six games, second, I think, to Denver by maybe a half a point. The Bucks are averaging 120 points a game over the last six. So Unbelievable. in the same season, we have seen the best defense and the best offense put together. No, they've not been at the same time. I'm just saying there's 11 games left in the season. Is that enough time to maybe, maybe not be the best offensive and the best defensive team, but... They have shown that they have the ability. Like you're saying, they're talented. Maybe more than back when it was the big three and Big Dog and Ray Allen and Cassell. Do you think they have time to maybe blend those two enough to be able to beat a one, two, or three seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs? Nope. I don't. I'm not there. <laughs> nope. If, if, if we would have had this conversation in November or December, I would have said top four seed. They're going to win one, maybe two rounds. They may get to the Eastern Conference Finals. When Jabari gets back, that's going to put them over the top. In fact, I believe my prediction was they'll be seven over right around that area around the All-Star break by the time they get Jabari back. And then when Jabari gets back, it's full steam ahead, and they're going to get on a huge run when they get Jabari scoring. Now, I didn't see the Bledsoe trade coming either. But, I mean, so that, that's kind of how it played out. I just look at this and say, what's going to change? Because to me, defense is effort and knowing where you're supposed to be and right now both of those when you watch games you have to question now are they all of a sudden going to remember where they're supposed to be on the floor are they all of a sudden going to play hard for four quarters every game the one thing i do know is this when they get to the playoffs you'll see a different bucks team from an energy and effort standpoint i pray i mean they have to bring it every game in the playoffs you would think they did last year against Toronto for the most part so now when you get to that point, now let's see what happens. I, it's just hard for me to figure out how this is going to change. And then we haven't even talked about the center position. So you lose Greg Monroe. Now he's not a shot blocker. He's not a great defender. Got a bunch of steals though, right? So he was a presence. He gave you somebody that could score with his back to the basket around him. When the jump shot went away, you had somebody that could still score inside. So you don't replace that. But you replace his offense with Bledsoe. But that, I mean, DeAndre Jordan last night. I mean, my goodness, everybody's like, whoa, you got to be surprised by that. Well, not really. I mean, DeAndre Jordan's one of the best interior guys in this league, rim protector, rebounder, whatever the case may be, and he kind of just had his way. Fon's tall, Henson's tall, but they're not very wide. Well, right? last night may have been a little bit of an, an anomaly. Okay, so yes, DeAndre Jordan is a double-double in the first quarter. He's dominant. Tyler Zeller basically didn't play. He's still banged up. Yeah, he's been hurt. The Bucks are the worst team in the league in the restricted area, the, right under the hoop. So when the right. team gets the ball right under the hoop like DeAndre Jordan did, right off the rim and he goes up, the Bucks are the worst in the league at it. However, another theory for you, if the Bucks get their, the team they're playing to get the ball anywhere else in the paint other than the restricted area, the teams they play are the worst scoring teams in the paint 
they are terrible restricted, but they stop everywhere else in the paint. So Tyler Zeller, I think, brings that presence to get a guy like DeAndre Jordan from instead getting the ball right under the hoop, going right back up, dunking it. The Clippers having 27 second chance points to the Bucks 12. That's huge. Tyler Zeller is that buffer. He gets those teams back out away from the rim just a couple feet where the Bucks again, the best team in the league guarding the paint. The worst in the restricted area. Right. Because you're talking about, again, size. And being able to back down a Thon Maker or a John Henson to get to where you want to be, post, repost, whatever the case may be, get him the ball, and, and away you go. But it's not only that. So, okay, so you talk about the offensive aspect of it. What about second chance points for the opposing teams? Uh, and being able to volleyball and get second and third opportunities on that side of the ball too. I mean, that is also another issue that we've been talking about at Nausea for two or three years. It, that's got to be a conscious effort. Last night when you see John Henson is on DeAndre Jordan and the ball is driven from the other side, John Henson found Maker. They go over to try to contest the shot. Right. Those guys needed to crack back, get into DeAndre's legs. Needed to basically know ahead of time this is going to be a football match. They got to they got to pummel this guy. They got to take him out. Yes, if Zeller was in and he was healthy, he probably wouldn't have had to go over and shot block. Would have known his job is to stay on DeAndre's body. I think he will be a big difference if the Bucks end up in the eighth seed and they play Toronto as the one seed. Tyler Zeller is a guy who can wrestle with Valanciunas. Valanciunas ate the Bucks up in certain games. He had 20 points in one quarter. I think the difference with a guy like DeAndre Jordan and a guy like Valanciunas will be Zeller. Is Zeller the answer to everything? No. But is he big enough to wrestle those guys and get them off their space like you saw DeAndre last night? I think he is. He's going to be huge in the playoffs. And that's why I think we've seen great offense at times, great defense at times. And last night, like I said, I think is a bit of an anomaly because Zeller was out. Clippers were, they come in losing their last four games. Yes, fine. They lost their last four. Who were they to? On the road at OKC, no, 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 on no, the road no. at Houston, Don't talk about on schedule the road now. at Minnesota. You just defended that they played nobody before the All-Star break. I'm you just using, to throw that out? I'm just using your oh. so <laughs> they're the Clippers are the only team that beat the top four team teams in the league record-wise. They beat Boston, yeah. they beat Toronto, Golden State, and Houston. So the Clippers were a good team. We were without Zeller. DeAndre had a big game. There you go. That's Austin why Rivers had a big game, too. He did. There's another one. He did. Yeah, unbelievable. Man. All right, uh, so we were talking about Thon Maker. That gets us to uh, our Yuppie and Abraham good drive to the hoop. Take Middleton. Wetzel thought about it. Drives, kicks. Thon Maker flush. This is a four-point game with 121 remaining. It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet, but it kind of was. Uh, that was a Yuppie and Abraham. Uh, good drive to the game. Yuppie and Abraham reminds you to never text and drive. I, I read that, but I'll be honest with you. Transparent, right? I said earlier today to my fiance, I said, I wish they would create a lane on the road that was like twice this wide so you could text while you were driving so you would have as much room to sway in between the lanes or whatever. So, yeah, I'm not a good... Uber's, Uber's got that figured out. They get the self-driving cars that are hitting people all over the country <laughs> yes, right now. That, exactly they they right. got that covered for us. And out here again at the Milwaukee Basketball Hour again, Steve Novak, myself, Steve Sparky, Fiverr, Marcus Johnson, Bucks legend. Going to be here at 6.30. Can't wait to talk to him. Presented to you by Merriman Social and Third Coast Provisions. Also, Sharp Literacy Program uh, involved here, as well as Coors Light, the Princeton Club, and, of course, Yuppie and Abraham. Up next, we'll see if Steve Novak comes over to my side. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Milwaukee Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak. 
Steve Sparky Fiverr with you. Bill Michaels off this week. He'll be back next Thursday. Bucks legend Marcus Johnson, I think, is approaching based on people waving him down, I think, outside. He should be here any moment. Uh, he'll be here and meet and greet everybody, and we'll talk to him. Always a, a fun guy to talk to, fun guy to listen to on, on Fox Sports Wisconsin as well. And I'd have to imagine you guys have had quite a few basketball conversations over the course of time, right? We have. He's been great for me, retiring and getting into broadcasts and doing it. He's a guy I would watch the games. My first game I had to do was Bucks versus Boston in Boston. I was so nervous. And I meet with Paschke like the night before. He's the best. For like three hours, I'm, t I'm asking like, can I say this? When should I do this? When should I not do that? And listening to Marcus, some of the games that he did, how, how informative he is, the way he explains it to the fans. He just has such a great vibe and is so educated, reading up on all the different analytics and what's making different guys go was just awesome. He's an awesome guy to learn from right now. I I'll give you some advice. Yeah? Because that's what I'm here for. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'll tell you what I like. I like watching my teams, the Brewers, the Bucks, don't get it with the Packers unless it's a radio call. But Brewers and Bucks, I like the home call. Some people don't like it, right? Some people, McLaughlin drives them crazy. I love it. Man, McLaughlin... And it's legendary. And we talk about it all the time. He takes off his headset. He's still mad. He throws it. And you hear it hit. And Pasqui's like, yeah, I just broke the headset. I'm going to have to get him a new one. Because he was so mad by what was happening in the game. He was so mad. But see, for me, that's what I want. I want, I want to listen to the guy calling the game. And when the other team gets on a run, I want to hear him be mad or down about it or whatever the case may be. When you're calling the game and you're as up for when the team, a uh, guy on the other team scores as much as you are for a guy on your team scoring, I get mad about that. That drives me nuts. And like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Wayne Larravee, right, on the Packer calls. One of the best national announcers that there's been. I mean, he is top-notch play-by-play guy. But when he first got to Green Bay and he started making the calls, oh, boy, did we hear complaints. Because what it was was he'd get excited when Kelvin Johnson scored a touchdown. Everybody would run back to the garage. Oh, Packers just lions? What the? back to outside right because you're kind of half listening he doesn't do that anymore so now you know he's kind of a little back with you i don't worry about that i mean you're a wisconsin native you're you're born bred here were you a bucks fan growing up big bucks fan oh yeah loved ray allen went to the games when it was the big three and george carl was here my boy kobe carl we used to sneak into the uh, cousin center and i'd see the party. guy's shoes yeah but i mean i'll be honest like you're saying i was in the locker room with these guys last year Right. So when I started the season, I was saying, you know, we need to do this, and we, and the producers would, would grab me after and be like, there's no, there's no we, brother. Like, you're, you're retired. You Can gotta, I say something about that? You've got to stop saying we. Okay, so listen, you're, you're going to get I'm me a, fired. Though, I'm, about to vent to about, I'm about to vent about this right now. So hold I on. got into it with a member of the Bucks organization a few years ago about this whole we stuff. You're going to get me fired. Here we no, go. No, we're not. I'm not going to get you fired. No, I'll get myself fired maybe. I'm not going to get you fired. A <laughs> few years ago. I, and the person, I'm sure he's listening and knows exactly who he is because we got into it in a stairwell. I was at a Bucks Media You're Day. fighting with Bucks employees in the stairwell? What, what, what kind of that, access do they give you? Done that for a long time. Jeez. So we were, we were at uh, Bucks Media Practice. This is previous ownership. We were at uh, a media day. And this person came up to me and said, hey, there's no we. You don't play on the team. I said, does it say Milwaukee on the front of the jersey? He's like, yeah. I go, then it's we. Because you represent our city. You represent all of us when you're on that basketball court. You all go out there and embarrass yourself, you embarrass this city. So I'm going to say we until I'm done broadcasting. Period. End of story. He didn't say anything. 
I walked away. That was the end of the conversation. Never got brought up again from the Bucks. But that's how, it, that's how I view it. And there, there are people in the media, oh, you don't play on the team. You can't say we. Listen, if I live in the town in which you represent, it's we. That's it. You represent us. You go act like a fool, then everybody around the country is going to think we all act like a fool because of you. That, that's my opinion of how I go about it. So when I hear stuff like that, like, don't say we. A, you played on the team. B, you live in the state of Wisconsin and have lived here most of your life. So if anybody's going to say we, you have more than qualified yourself to say we at this point. But I get it. I'm just telling you, from a media standpoint, a lot of people believe that. Like, there's a lot of people in radio that will yell at their sports talk hosts if you say we, you say Bucks, you say Brewers. That's not how I go about it. And if you listen to our guys on our station, uh, you know, in Milwaukee where I, I do my show, or probably other parts of the state, I guarantee you during Packers season, a lot of people are saying we on the radio because you feel, feel a part of them because they represent you. No, you don't play the game. But it, you still have that sense of pride. That, that, at least that's what I think. No, I agree, and I know exactly where you're coming from, and I think as a listener to any game, if it's a team that I am watching, I enjoy, I've been a fan of, and they say we, you say, oh, they're, they're with that squad. Now, it, I would say this, where my mindset was in my defense, honestly, when I would say we, I think about it from, that, from the point of view of I was just a former player. Now I'm trying to break into broadcast and do TV and do those things, and if right. I'm saying we – you watch these national guys, all of them are trying to be fair to the teams that they're, that they're analyzing. You hear Barkley. Nobody wants to go as far as Barkley and be barking at these guys. But that's really the standpoint that I looked at it from. I understood that there was playing and there was broadcasting. And saying we definitely was on the playing side. But I listened to Tommy Heinsohn, like you're saying, oh, with that's, the Boston that's Celtics. Right. And, and He's totally in for They're the telling me in my first game, don't say we, which I, I totally understand and, and happen to agree with. And Tommy Heinsohn is going, when, when, when Giannis doesn't get a foul call, on the, he's going, the Greek. They didn't call a foul, a, a foul on the Greek. That's bogus. Right. That's bogus. That's and, my guy right there. And, I'll take that. And that's, he was the first, the first game I watched in my training, and he's, they're telling me, don't say we, and he's yelling, bogus, about Giannis. So like if you there's, go back, there's both. And you, are, you grew up in where? Brown Deer, right? Brown Deer. So I grew up in Kenosha. So I'm right there on the border of Wisconsin. I got Chicago people everywhere. So we had the access to watch Cubs games, White Sox games, Bulls games, Johnny Red Kerr, right, for the Bulls. That dude was as big a homer as ever. I've, I've met Johnny Red Kerr and everything else. Loved him. I didn't like the Bulls. Couldn't stand Michael Jordan, right? I'm a Bucks fan, but I love listening to Johnny Red Kerr. And then you had Hawk and Wimpy on the White Sox games. What was their thing? Good guys three, bad guys zero. Back after this. That's what it was. There's one for the bad guys. What a, I love that stuff. That's, that's me, but not everybody likes it. It, it seems to me is... The younger people nowadays, and I'm 41. I can't believe I'm saying younger people. But younger people nowadays, they want it kind of like they want a national call. I mean, that's what they want. They, they don't want the whole Homer-type call. They want it to be more uh, straight-laced, whatever you want to say. You. So Marcus Johnson is here. Uh, before we get to Marcus Johnson, we got to give some props here. New Berlin Eisenhower women's basketball team is in the house. All right. Look at this. Pretty good showing, y'all. Good job. They were runners-up uh, at State uh, for Division Two, And joining us now is Gary Schmidt, the head basketball coach for New Berlin Eisenhower. Coach, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I love to talk basketball. Uh, okay, so w we had Jason Terry on here a couple weeks ago. And Jason Terry is a coach for AAU basketball, and his mm -hmm. team has won titles, and he's got McDonald's All-Americans, and he's great. Okay. So 
he said he would take coaching girls any day of the week over coaching boys. It's just a much easier deal, everything else. What's your experience been like? Well, I'll have to agree with that. I, uh, I coached boys for six years, and uh, unbeknownst to me, um, somebody came along and said, why don't you put in for the girls' head coach job at Eisenhower? So I did, and I actually got the job. So where were you the boys' coach at? I was assistant boys' coach at Eisenhower. Okay. Dave Scheidegger. Gotcha, right. So um, some parents came along and asked me if I'd be interested in applying for the job. I did, and that was 17 years ago. But to answer your question, working with uh, young adult, young women, uh, girls, they do a fantastic job. They're, they're coach pleasers. They work hard in everything that they do. They try to accomplish things. They're very coachable. And... Um, they're very, um, you know, years ago, I don't think the, the perception was that, you know, maybe girls basketball, they didn't understand the game completely. It's changed completely now. The girls understand the game. We can run a lot of different sets. We personally run four different, uh, you know, offenses. Um, our defenses are very complicated. So we put a lot of stuff in there to make it, uh, 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 give our kids a chance to win a game. And I, I think that uh, they've done a great job. It sounds to me like the girls are smarter and they're better listeners. No, that's what I saying. probably uh, would agree. With listen, that. I have a four-year-old daughter, and I, I'm really hoping he's he's accurate about this because my four-year-old daughter is completely uncoachable and unreasonable, and she runs our house. Yeah. So you're saying as they get older in their teenage years, they get better? Is that what you're telling me? Well, I, I've been very lucky. I I think these kids are phenomenal. They're, they just do everything to the T. They're they're detail oriented and um, they want to accomplish goals. Sometimes I, I tease them. I said I like to send them to acting school. Because sometimes if they have to go to A to C and they have to go in that direction, they might go A, B to C rather than just going to A to C. So sometimes they make it a little more complicated than it should be, but they want to get the job done. And it's always a pleasure when you get these jobs. There's always a lot of questions, but they want to fulfill that goal. So they listen really, really well. They cooperate with me. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons we've had the success at Eisenhower. These kids out here, they know what they do. What's the experience like uh, being at state? high school oh i wish that upon anybody you know we've been very fortunate eisenhower to be there five of the last eight years and every year is a different journey but this year it's been absolutely phenomenal to go up there you know eisenhower is a great school they give you an assembly before you go we have a police escort out of town please escort a police escort get out of here really all the way out and, that um, was like Sparky got on the way here today. He was just telling us about the uh, police escort yeah, and the right, Uber uh, right now. Uh, right odds are Marcus Johnson did get that on the way here. Yeah. Uh, Novak's joking about me. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're not as popular as you, of course, but we do um, We enjoy We get up there. Uh, Green Bay has really received us. The, the hotel is all decorated with uh, the kids' pictures and go lion signs up all over the place. It's just a... a, a Excellent experience. We had a chance to go to Lambeau Field. They had pictures taken with all the statues and stuff. So, out of here. And uh, the school takes care of everything. So it's quite an experience. Um, I can tell you one thing. I had a girl come back to me one time. She was on her 88 team. First time Eisenhower ever went to state. And she told me that she played four years of college. But her, her biggest memory ever was going to state when she was in high school. So let's be honest. The reason that everybody wanted you on this show was so you could recruit girls from northern Wisconsin to come down here and play at Eisenhower and build another powerhouse. That's really what this was all about, wasn't it? I'm not going to say that publicly, but <laughs> not too far <laughs> off. Yeah. Hey, Gary Schmidt, congratulations, man. Good year, runners up at State. And congratulations to all y'all for doing a good job this year. And thanks for coming out. Obviously, to Merriman Social, it is the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Steve Novak, Marcus Johnson, Bucks legend, is here in the house, and he's going to entertain you up next. Basketball Hour featuring Steve Novak, 
Bucks legend Marcus Johnson in the house. I'm Steve Spargy. Fiber presented to you by Merriman Social and Third Coast Provisions. Also, West Bend, the silver lining. Annex Wealth Management uh, has been a part of the show as well. Of course, Baker Tilly, accountants and advisors with five offices throughout Wisconsin. They're here to assist in all your business needs. All right, so Marcus Johnson's in the house. I, I, I'm going to start with Steve Novak real quick here uh, before we go uh, any farther. I've been talking to this man for, for quite a while on the radio, and I told him years ago, I'm going to get your number retired back here. And back then, Senator was, a, was still the owner of the team. Marcus Johnson laughed at me when I said, we're going to get this number retired eventually. Then the Bucks' new ownership came in. Then they bring him back into the family as being an announcer. Yeah. I've been saying, and I have no inside knowledge, but I think your jersey goes up in the new arena, first jersey retired in the new arena, and I think it's way long overdue. What say you, Steve Novak? Hold on, are you talking about my jersey? No, or man, are you no. About <laughs> no, man, no. About uh, Marcus, Marcus Johnson's Mar jersey. Mar Mar Marcus Johnson. Oh, because I Matthew, Matthew Delavadova's jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's pay all, all, due, all due respect to Deli. Let's just not overlook Deli. He's, he's got the number eight. Uh, he's holding that down right now. I think everybody's going to be jacked up, man. When you get your number, we've done so many topics over the years. Uh, we've been on the air since 2005 in Milwaukee. We've done that topic numerous times. You win every single time since 2005 on any show I've been on. We do that topic. Your jersey needs to be retired next. Who's, who's, uh, who's second and third? If, if I win, who? Uh, Ray. Ray, Ray Allen, Allen is second. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, Big gotta, Dog, gotta, usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray, and then maybe Big Dog after that. Okay. Um, but there's, I don't see any way that you don't get it next. All right, so uh, moving on from that, I, I want to get that around statewide because normally I'm just not in Milwaukee. I don't get the statewide treatment all that much. Are we on statewide right now? Statewide. Oh, i got to watch myself. Yeah, right. be careful. It's not <laughs> just Milwaukee anymore. All right, yeah, okay. I, I want to, before we get into the Bucks talk a, a, a little bit, I, I want to get into something maybe a little bit different because Steve Novak talks about, you know, being retired from the game. Now he jumps right in, in, into the media after retiring. How was it for you when, when you stepped away from playing professionally those first couple of years as far as the adjustment because there has to be an adjustment yeah it was tough because I didn't step away voluntarily like Steve did um, somewhat voluntarily I mean you know old age has a way of sure kind of <laughs> forcing dic you out. dictating yeah the terms but but I hurt my neck when I was 29 30 years old I ran into Benoit Benjamin my my teammate with the Clippers and um, he was a former buck Benoit was, wasn't he? Yeah. He played for everybody. Sonics, yeah. Bucks, Nets. I mean, yeah, he's been, he's been around. But, but hurt my net, neck, had to get uh, carried off the court on a stretcher and oh. that whole shot. Sat out for two, two and a half years, getting a bunch of different doctors' opinions. Should I get a spinal fusion? Should I not? Can I play again? Can I not? After about that third year, 32, 33 years old, I, I went up to UCLA. I, I'd always start working out, like in August. Like, no, no team to play for. Right. But I'd always start working out in August and getting in great shape and then realize that, hey, I'm not, I'm not really playing right now. So that particular summer, I went up to UCLA and started playing with Magic Johnson and Vladdy Dibots and Byron Scott and all the Lakers that would play at UCLA. And I actually did real well. Talked to Magic, just asked him what he thought. He's like, yeah, yeah, you got something left. You know, give, give it a shot. And uh, so I played with uh, Golden State for a minute with Don Nelson. Uh, he brought me up to Golden State, then played over in Italy to finish out my career. So my point is, is that, you know, I was able to get some closure at that point. But the first couple of years after being retired, I'd always still work out in August with no place to go, nothing to do, and get in great shape. Right. <laughs> the training camp would start, and I'd be back at home right. sitting, sitting in the easy chair. So it, it, was, it was an interesting adjustment, but, it, it, you know, it took a minute. You know, it took a minute for me to to really kind of ease into it. Because it, it's, the reason I bring it up is I always hear from, from former players is, 
you don't have that juice anymore, right? You don't have the locker room camaraderie. Yeah. You don't have the fans. You, you're not on TV anymore. And then you're always in search of and trying to find that juice again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to ever find it again. And that's why a lot of guys end up getting into media, it seems like. Still want to be a part of the game, want to be a part of the guys yeah. a little bit. Is that kind of how it played out for you, kind of how you ended up back in media? Yeah, um, you know, I, I majored in theater arts and broadcasting and motion picture television at UCLA, so I, I did a combination. Oh, of, I didn't know we had an actor. Well, right? yeah, yeah, I yeah, had no yeah, idea. Well, come on, people. White men, white men can't jump. jump. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, but, 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 but acting's always... Don't get always, my gun. Y'all know the lie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. See, but acting's always been a passion. But I, I, I stumbled into this broadcasting class at UCLA, Dr. Art, Arthur Friedman. Uh, started it up my sophomore year back in 1974-75, and we would we would go to the UCLA football games and do sideline interviews oh, and the right. whole. It was just a great, great uh, uh, broadcasting course, and that really started to pique my interest and got me going with the broadcasting aspect of it. So, I, so I had that experience to, to kind of segue into, and then a good buddy of mine, Roy Hamilton, who played with me at UCLA, he was a big time uh, executive producer at Fox. And uh, at that time, I think it was Sports Channel LA or something. But he had me do some summer league games. And, and it just felt good. It felt natural. And it just kind of uh, blossomed from, from there. And that was back in 1989, 1990. So it's been, been quite some time. You, were you born then? Huh? 83. 1983. <laughs> just, just barely. He was I just, here. Uh, I just thought about that. Uh-huh. What, what about how did the Bucks opportunity come about? Because, I mean, for so long, it's no secret, you were kind of out of the Bucks family. Uh, for whatever the reason may be. How did that come along? Or how did you get back into the family and start doing games again? Well, I was doing a, a morning sports talk show in L.A., CBS Radio in Los what Angeles. What time did you start? I got to the studio at 4 a.m. Sucked, didn't it? Yeah, I we, used to do that. <laughs> we, we went on the air at 5.30. Nope, 5.30 to 9. And we started at 5.30 instead of 6 because they wanted to, to get a leg up on the, we on the, the ESPN show. Uh, on Dan Patrick. Yeah. Like, we, like that was going to make a difference. It, it, <laughs> that half hour. <laughs> it didn't. Trust me. But, but so we get there. I got there that early. Did that for a solid year. And it was good. I enjoyed it. But. You know, I haven't had to know about hockey and NASCAR and 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 and, and Y'all horse, talk NASCAR? Ho- horse racing. We talked everything, man. Really? Yeah, you know, it was a four, it was a three and a half hour show. So, right. So we had all kinds of guests that we had, and I and I I found that I just had to more relate my athletic similarities and experiences as opposed to trying to be an expert because right. it was just too much, you know, voluminous amounts of studying to do on those different sports. But anyway, uh, the Bucks came on the scene. Asked would I be interested to come in, come out and uh, and broadcast? And at that time, I like I don't I don't know. I haven't been in Milwaukee. Uh, but consistently. you were doing Pac-10 games and stuff like Fox that Sports, already. Yeah, yeah. do a lot of stuff. You know, young guys, Jim Jack. Some of these young guys starting to weed me out a little bit. Some of these young, <laughs> yeah, young, you know, that's, that's, kind of, that's, 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 that's how it happens. It it, it's, it's all good. Yeah. I, I'm not mad at him. Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, the Miles Simon was doing doing a good job. Uh, uh, Sean, Sean Farman, yeah. Sean Farnham was doing a good job. And so, so I started doing the radio show because that was a good gig. They were trying to uh, get a foothold in Los Angeles, CBS Radio. Real good gig. Jeannie Zalasco, baseball oh, yeah. lady, uh, real, real solid pro. So we, we were teaming together. Anyway, the Bucks came out and asked me would I come out and at least do an audition tape with Jim and meet with the executives who were doing the broadcasting from Fox Sports uh, from Minneapolis. And so I said, yeah, I'll come out and just check it out with no intention of doing it. So I came out here, and this is honest God truth. I went to... 
It's a George Webb yep. right across from the oh, Hyatt. I went to have like a little quick breakfast, you know, you know a little greasy spoon spot. Yep. And I walked in and the waiter was like, Marcus Johnson, man, I ain't seen you in 30. Man, can I call my mom and dad? They love you, man. <laughs> so his mom and dad came down, got some autographs. There's that juice I was talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, he gave that guy some autographs. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> so we went to the arena and uh, the Bradley and it happened to be a bunch of workers cleaning up in there, about 40, 50 workers. I walked in, Jim and I were set up just at a table in the arena someplace, and some guy yelled out, Marcus, man, welcome home, baby, we ain't seen you. Oh, man, it's so, so it was just this really good vibe. Jim and I did the audition tape and, and just kind of hit it off real well, and that's when it first kind of uh, clicked that maybe this was the move, this was the time to make the move, and, and I was kind of tired of getting up at 3 a.m. like five days a week. But then you had to go back and tell your wife that you wanted to go work in Milwaukee. Yeah, but, but when she knew that I would be off for like five, six months in the summer. True. And that the pay was better. Right. <laughs> She's like, honey, get it. Go ahead. I'll be all right. Go, go. Go Midwest, young man. Go Midwest. <laughs> we'll be fine. Yes. God, that is, that is a crazy story. And then you go back to the Cousin Center and see that, that facility and, and what that's at based on, you know, what it's been the last 20, 30 years, whatever. And now you see the new practice yeah. facility. Yeah. And, and talk about the huge difference between those two. Well, look, I'm a product of, of the old U school gym, university right. high school gym back, back, in, back, back in the 70s. That's where we practiced. It was cold. It was, you know, the floor was great, but, but it was just the, the place looked like it was falling apart. But, but that's where we practiced every, every morning with no heat and just, just, you know, just crazy situations. Sidney Moncrief and I were the first ones to get a, a weight room. We call it a weight room, but it was a little side room at the old Mecca that just had one bench press. <laughs> a dusty old bench press with a, with a gym, with a, with a bench that was all cracked up and worn and used. And oh, that was our, that was, so when I go into the Cousin Center, that's like, man, that's state of the Real art. Nice. And this place here just puts that to shame. So it's, it's, it's been a good, good evolution, yes. People don't realize like, what it was like back then, Steve Novak. I mean, they look at you and they're like, man, Steve Novak, man. I remember watching him play when I was in grade school. But then Marcus Johnson comes along yeah. and you're like, man, my dad used to watch him play back yeah. in the day. Yeah. But people don't realize, like, it wasn't clearly as advanced as it is now. Like, the, the medicine wasn't as known. The surgeries weren't as known as far yeah. as what you could play with and what you couldn't play with. ACL injuries, guys coming back in a year. I'm guessing back in the 70s, guys weren't coming back up from a year in an ACL injury. Right. Their careers may have been pretty much done at that point because people didn't really know how to fix it as well yeah. as they do now. Yeah, I, I was talking with uh, uh, our team performance doctor, uh, Troy Flanagan, and he was like, well, what, what, he's from Australia, what did you guys do to recover back in your day, Marcus? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, six-pack of beer, <laughs> half a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> And we were ready to go. That's right. He, he was like, oh, he's, don't tell me that. Please don't, 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 don't tell me that. Don't tell me anymore. I was like, yeah, you don't want to hear anymore, Doc. No, but guys, <laughs> that, guys that played in my era, uh, it's amazing how much we, we did. We benefited from yeah. the guys before us. We had guaranteed contracts, the facilities that had taken place. You guys. Uh, Private jet travel. I was going to say you guys were on commercial flights yeah. and stories we hear. So whenever there's always those arguments with the old-time players and the new guys about rest and about staying in the Ritz-Carlton, the private jets, and all that, it's like, I feel like the current players, we always feel like they don't know what they're yeah. talking about, but obviously, right? Right. But if if we stayed neutral. at a Sheridan, it was like, man, this is all, oh, man, we really like, you know, we, we got it going on. Now, I think Philadelphia, you may, may have stayed at a Sheridan, stayed at the Lowe's Summit in New York on 54th and Lexington, which was like the you didn't take your shoes off when you were in the really? room because the carpet was so filthy. I mean, it was just one of them type places, man. So it was, it was, an, it, but it was, I don't want to paint this picture like it was so drab and dreary because we had a great time. Oh, the sure yeah. We'd hang out on a trip to L.A. to play the Lakers. We had to go through Chicago, big snowstorm. We got stuck at the airport about six or seven hours, just something crazy. I may be 
exaggerating, but it seemed like six or seven Sounds hours. Sounds good that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, you know, playing cards and hanging out and laughing and joking, got to the forum in L.A. like maybe an hour, 90 minutes before the game. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and had to get in there, get taped, try and warm up, whatever, and I think we lost in overtime to the Lakers. But we had, we had wow. stories like that because of those those uh, Spartan travel conditions and, and, and the way and things were. And friendships forever. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, oh, without question. And, and stories. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because we would hang out a lot. I, do you guys hang out on the road as, as much? I don't know. I, I, y- yes, but Twitter definitely put a damper on that. Yeah. Guys used to be a little more mobile. And yeah, yeah. All yeah, of a sudden, everybody yeah. was being traced, yeah, tracked. Yeah, with, yeah but we, we, we've got some great uh, memories. Just and, and I was fortunate because I was doing some TV work uh, for the local NBC affiliate WTMJ here, yeah. in, here in Milwaukee. So I did a whole on the road with the Bucks feature that took a cameraman with me on the road for about four or five days of uh, Boston, Philly. We played them, interviewed Julius Irving, Red Auerbach, and guys like that. But, uh, but, we, but I got the kind of the behind the scenes, all access right. type stuff. And I still have those outtakes, which just, That's I can, I can awesome. look at them now and just, just crack up. You know, I sent something to Junior Bridgman about two weeks ago, and he's like, man, we looked so young back then. I was like, yeah, we were so young back then. <laughs> he is Marcus Johnson, uh, Bucks legend, soon to have his jersey retired uh, at the new arena coming up. He is Steve Novak. I'm Steve Sparky. Five rates the Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Brock has every Thursday night from 6 to 7 at Merriman Social uh, at Walker's Point here in Milwaukee. We'll come back, wrap it up with Marcus Johnson. We'll talk a little bit about the current team up next, I promise. Let's hear from our podcast sponsor. Injured? Call Hupe and Abraham. Voted best, rated best, year after year. Hubie and Abraham, tell them you mean business. Welcome back, Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Steve Sparky Fiverr with you. Bill Michaels uh, off this week. He'll be back next week. And, of course, it's presented to you by Merriman Social and Third Coast Provisions here uh, in uh, Walker's Point in Milwaukee. Come on down. Uh, say hi every Thursday night from 6 to 7. Bucks legend Marcus Johnson hanging out with us. Uh, and don't forget, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of Wisconsin sponsor the show. Visit them on Facebook to learn more about ways you can help in the fight against Crohn's disease uh, and ulcerative uh, colitis. Again, make sure to check them out on Facebook. Uh, all right, gentlemen. So let's talk a little bit. We only got like three minutes left. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Just uh, <laughs> It's going to take longer than three minutes. No, right? it's, no, it's not, no, uh, it's not going to take that long. I wanted to get more of your backstory because I – during the afternoon show Milwaukee, we never really get to talk about you. Right. It's always talking about the Bucks current team, and I, I always like doing more of the background stories. Uh, th- this Bucks team, Steve Novak and I were discussing—that'd be the best way to put it—discussing yeah, uh, earlier in the show uh, about this Bucks team. Uh, and, and I said earlier in the show that at every point in the season, if teams aren't really playing well, and I'm doing post-game shows in Milwaukee, you essentially at some point are done watching this team, are ready for the summer to get here, and looking forward to next year, new team, everything else. It just, it just wears on you as a fan, and that happens when you're really bad, right? Last year, that never happened. I was jacked up. Middleton yeah. had me feeling good. We were going in the right direction. I was pumped up for the playoffs. Marcus, this team's just worn on me, man. I, I, I am I'm at my end with this team right now. Am I at my, at my end because they can score, all right? Like I told Steve Novak earlier, you've got four guys that can score over 20 every night. Yeah. Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, Jabari. There aren't many teams in this league that can say they got four guys that can score 20 or more on a given night. But, man, defensively, we've been talking about this defense for seemingly two or three years now, and we just can't seem to – you'll get it for a stretch last year in the playoffs. They played out of their mind, and they blew Toronto out. 
I came on the air that next day and I said, I think it's going to cost them the series. Because they played so hard, they expend so much energy, I just don't know if they can do that every game. And th that's that's kind of where I'm at on this. We got 30 seconds. Go ahead. <laughs> Can I laugh for 30 seconds? Yeah. That's all you got. He's Marcus Johnson, <laughs> Steve Novak. Well, well, you know, and Steve can speak to it probably better than I can. They they try to become more conservative uh, with the defense. I, I just think it's a lot of running around. You look at you look at Houston, for example. I mean, they run as less miles than any team in the league defensively. We got to find a way to. To have that balance, not not expend as much energy. It just seems like we can't do it. We can't expend all this energy on defense and then expend all this energy on offense too. There it is, Milwaukee Basketball Hour. Marcus Johnson, Steve Novak. Have a good night.